podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast on Thursday, October the 15th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at libertyshield.com. The internationals are finally over and we can now get ready for some real football, some Premier League football this weekend. We don't yet know what the full ramifications are going to be. There's going to be some players that are going to be forced to miss games because either they've tested positive for COVID or teammates of theirs in the international team tested positive and they just happen to be around them. Uh, So it's another knock-on effect of this garbage that we've had to sit through. Uh, It's 29 days to the next international break. 29 days. That'll be the third one this season. An absolute farce. No consideration given to even cancelling these games despite COVID cases going up and up and up. Um... I really don't understand. And the other thing I really don't understand about the international break is what I've just witnessed from England. I, I really don't understand what I've just witnessed from the English national team. So obviously they've played three games. Uh, they won two and they lost one. And from the outside, you know, that's fair enough. That's a, that's a decent return. But I don't understand... Gareth Southgate as a manager I think he's way out of his league as the England manager I I understand and appreciate that he did well at the last World Cup uh, but they had a very easy run and when they played anybody good they lost Um, you look at his teams that he's uh, played in these three games and he's gone with ostensibly a back three two holding midfielders wing backs one attacking midfielder and two strikers. It's basically how he plays. So, he seems to have some sort of weird phobia towards creative players and towards left-footed players. Now, against Wales, in what was basically a reserve 11 kind of game, Wales played a, a fairly makeshift 11 as well. Uh, he did play Baki Osaka as a left wing back, and I thought he played very well. And uh, he did play Jack Grealish as a creative midfielder, and he was man of the match. And after the game, when asked about Grealish, Southgate really didn't give him much praise. And let's not forget that he's kind of been forced to put Grealish into the squad the last two times. The first time, he didn't pick him. And there were some injuries, and then he called him up, basically from the media pressure that was around him. And then the second time, he called him up because they'd expanded the squads, because it was three games, and because it's COVID, and whatever else. But he didn't have a whole lot of nice things to say about Jack Grealish. Like, he didn't really praise him too much for a man-of-the-match performance. You look at the other two games, and... 
Mason Mount starts against Belgium and against Denmark, along with Marcus Rashford uh, behind Harry Kane, that does seem to be the preferred front three at the moment. And there's a couple of things wrong with it, obviously. Um, first and foremost, Jaden Sancho is, is sitting on the bench. Secondly, there's no real creativity in that front three. Rashford is a tremendous player, but he's not a creative player. Um, Kane is obviously a, a world-class goal scorer, and he can he can assist others, but he's not a creative player. He's not one that unlocks defences with his passing. He plays decent passes in behind if he's got pacey players running off him, and maybe that could work with Rashford. But at international football, you do find that defences sit a little bit deeper, so there's not always an option. And then Mason Mount, and Mount has Mount has been the one that's come in for quite a bit of criticism and a lot of questioning as to what Mason Mount does. And I have to defend him because I think Mason Mount is a good footballer. I just don't think he's a creative player. He's an attacking midfielder, but he's not a creative player. Mason Mount is best when he plays off the ball. He's defensively very, very aware. He's a really good presser. He's a clever player. He takes up good positions. He times his runs into the box brilliantly. He's a lot like Frank Lampard. There's a lot of his game that is very similar to his club manager's game. Frank wasn't a creative player either. He could ping a pass, but he wasn't one that unlocked defences. He wasn't going to beat people on the dribble and split the defence with a pass. Mount is the same way. He's best used off the ball, arriving late in the box and scoring goals. That's what he does. That's his strength. And the problem with that is, in this England team, there's nobody else to do the creative work. So, no Sancho, Grealish, not in the manager's good books by the sounds of things or by the looks of things, uh, didn't get on against Denmark, got, you know, the start against Wales, didn't play against Belgium or Denmark at all. Um... James Madison obviously will come back into that mix, as will Raheem Sterling. There's other options there, but if he wants to stick with this shape, in truth, Sterling and Sancho have to start. I mean, they have to start. They're they're England's two best attackers along with Kane. So you have to start those three if you're going to play a three, which means you have to get creativity from your midfield. Uh, In the three games... Kieran Trippier started right wing back in one. Trent Alexander started in another. And Rhys James started in another. Uh, Trent is clearly the best of those players. And he is a creative player. But you need a second creative outlet as well. Because you can't just rely on your right wing back. So maybe you can get it from your left wing back. Except that uh, other than the game that Saka started. He decided to play right footers at left wing back. And completely take away their natural game. He then played two sitting players in the centre midfield. He played um, he played Calvin Phillips and Harry Winks in the first game. Played Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice in the second game, and he played Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips in the third game. Now, I I think they're all good players. All four that he played, they're all good players, but they don't work as a pairing. None of them really work as pairings. Um, you can get away with Rice and Henderson. I think it, it's probably the best of the of the three of the 
the, the three pairings that played yeah. in these games. But I do think that Winks and Henderson would be the best partnership uh, in terms of what you'd get from the pair of them. Calvin Phillips is best played by himself in a single pivot midfield. He's best in a three. He's not really suited to playing in a double pivot because it's not what he does at club level. So he's, he doesn't really have the experience of it at, at a high level. So playing him and Rice is just redundant. Playing him and Winks is redundant. Uh, him and Henderson could work to an extent, but it wouldn't be ideal. Um, the, the, the insistence on two holding midfielders in front of a back three is just very, very strange. And then what's even stranger is the refusal to play a left-footed centre-back on the left side of the back three, which you just have to do. You just have to play a left-footed centre-back on the left side of a three. If it's going to be your base formation, and that's what you're setting up to do, you've got to have a left-footer. You have to have that balance. You ideally want someone who's just as comfortable playing as a left-back as they are as a centre-back. That's why Joe Gomez works on the right-hand side of a back three. And it's why Kyle Walker works on the right-hand side of a back three. He played Harry Maguire there for two games. He played Michael Keane there in the first game. Now, Keane was all right because Wales barely attacked, but Harry Maguire got exposed really, really badly. And you look at the results, 3-0 over Wales... You know, like I said, a, a second team for Wales, not not their first team, not their best players, but it's a solid result given it's you know the England reserves as well. Uh, the two-one win over Belgium is is a good result, but people are acting like it's a statement win, as if this is you know the biggest thing they've ever done, and this is England's best eleven against Belgium's best eleven, and it just wasn't. I mean, it just wasn't for either team. Either team. Um, I wouldn't be taking anything from that game because I thought Belgium looked very flat. I thought they looked questionable at the back, a little bit lazy in midfield at times. They looked like they were going through the motions. A lot of those players in all the different games that I watched over the last few days looked like they didn't really want to be playing international football at the moment, like they'd rather be back with their clubs um, where they're safer. But... It is what it is. Um, the refusal to play a left-footed centre-back, the refusal to play a left wing-back, is just so strange. And what it has led to is it has led to a couple of very, very poor performances, most notably from Harry Maguire. And it's Harry Maguire I want to go on to next. South, Just to finish, sorry, Southgate needs to figure out if this is what he is as a manager. Because if what he is as a manager is basically a glorified back seven and Mason Mount behind Harry Kane plus one, then I think someone at the FA needs to start making a long-term plan for who's going to replace the guy, who's actually going to make the most of the elite talents that are at his disposal, because that is unacceptable. And people can make all the excuses for, for him that he wants. He got the job because he's a yes man. He got the job because he was a cheap option. And after the Sam thing, they wanted someone that wasn't going to rock the boat or cause any controversy. They wanted another Hodgson. And it's what they got. They got a guy who tactically isn't very good, but sets the team up well defensively to an extent. 
Um, it's it's boring, drab, dull football. That's what it is. Anyway, Harry Maguire. So he obviously got sent off last night against Denmark, and it has led to the question: What's wrong with Harry Maguire? Now, there's a lot of excuses been thrown around from, but he has started the season really badly. His form for United has been poor. And in truth, it was poor last season for the majority. I don't think he has coped well with the move to Manchester United. I don't think he's dealt with the pressure of playing for that club. Because the pressure of playing for them is very different to the pressure of playing for Leicester or pretty much any other team. There's just a much higher level of expectation when you play for Manchester United. And I don't think Harry Maguire has the mental toughness to cope with it. He certainly doesn't have the mental toughness to cope with being captain. I think it says more about the rest of the squad and the lack of leadership than it does about him and any leadership he may have. But when I when I watch him play for United, there's a hesitancy to his game that wasn't there when he was at Leicester. Now, his problem in these England games has been that he's playing on the left-hand side of a back three, been asked to defend big, wide-open spaces when Kieran Trippier goes forward. And he's also playing on his non-natural side. Like, the ball is coming to his left side a lot more. He's having to use his left foot a lot more than he would if he's just playing the left side of a back two. And it's causing him problems. The first yellow card he gets yesterday, it should have been red. It, the tackle was a disgrace. Uh, he goes right through Polson. He could have broken his leg. And um, very, very fortunate to get away with that one. But look how high up he was been asked to defend. He was in the opposition half. Uh, the second one, again, he's in the opposition half. Like, Harry Maguire isn't comfortable that high up the field. Harry Maguire is best when used in a deep bank back four that's what he's best at that's what he played under Claude Pulis like people forget that United bought him on the basis of how he'd done under Claude Pul, not under Brendan Rodgers but when Rodgers took over at Leicester he didn't really tinker about with the defence it was only after Maguire left that he stepped the defence up five yards Claude Puel had them playing in a low block. It gave Maguire a very safe and structured mandate of this is the area you defend and this is what I want you to do. And he was able to thrive in it. And it it does need to be appreciated that he's had quite the meteoric rise. In 2017, he was getting relegated with Hull. Joins Leicester. Gets into the England squad, plays in the World Cup, United try and buy him, he stays another year at Leicester, and United decide to spend £80 million on him. Now, everybody could have told you at the time that in no way, shape, or form was he an £80 million player or anywhere close to it. Like, if Virgil van Dijk is a £75 million centre-back, then... That's the bar, and you pay more for Harry Maguire. Like, Maguire's best attribute is his ability in the air. 
and Van Dyke is better than the air. And he's better at everything else. And yet you paid more for Harry Maguire than Liverpool paid for Van Dyke. And it's not to say that he's not a good player. He is a good player. He's a good defender if he's used properly. And to use him properly, you have to protect him. If you want to play a back three, he has to play in the middle of it. That's just, it's as simple as that. Um, Southgate wants to play, you know, Eric Dyer and Connor Cody there because he thinks you need to have a ball player in the middle. Harry Maguire is a decent ball player. His first touch can be questionable. We saw that. We saw that with the red card. But he's a good passer of the ball. And he can carry the ball out of the back. We saw it at Leicester. He would regularly step out into midfield with the ball at his feet. And he looked quite accomplished doing it. But Southgate thinks back to when he played that role. And he played that role, remember, for England for quite a while. And he was a converted midfielder. So he looks at Connor Cody and Eric Dyer, who are converted midfielders, sort of. Dyer was a centre-back who became a midfielder and has now gone back. Cody was a midfielder. He came through Liverpool's academy as a midfielder. But he looks at them and thinks, right, that's the guy I need there. But Harry Maguire, number one, is a far better defender than either of them. And number two, he's just as good on the ball. If you want to play a back three, Harry Maguire has to be in the middle of it. If you're going to play a back four, you need to play a deep bank and you need to give him some some pace either side of him. Like He has to have covering pace either side of him. At Leicester, he had Johnny Evans to his right. And Johnny Evans isn't fast, but he is quick. And he reads the game really well. And he was able to talk Maguire through games. Johnny Evans is the most underrated centre-back in the league just so we can be clear on that. He, United would we, we'll actually be better off if they bought him. Um, and he had Ben Chilwell on his left, and Ben Chilwell is quick and would cover him. At Holy, he had Andy Robertson, who's very, very quick and covers the centre-back very well. He's not getting that at the moment. He's playing next to Luke Shaw, and it's not to rag on Luke Shaw, but Luke Shaw does not cover the centre-back well. And he has lost quite a bit of his pace over the last four or five years from what he was as a young player. Now, part of that is the really bad injury he had, uh, you know, horrendous ankle break. But part of it is that he's also probably three stone heavier than he was back then. And that's just not ideal. But... Maguire can be a good centre-back if he's used properly. He's not being used properly at Old Trafford because Ollie thinks that he has to play a high line. And by forcing Maguire to play that much higher, it's taking him out of his comfort zone. With England, he's been asked to play as a left-wing back. Or, uh, sorry, a left-side centre-back. And it's just causing his form to fall into the toilet. And... We can give up all the excuses that you want. You can say it's because of what happened in Greece. Well, if it's that, if that's the case, then just stop playing him. If he's not ment- mentally ready to play, don't play him. Leave him out. Don't force him to play if he's not in the right headspace. But in truth, his bad form goes back well before Greece. Last season, he wasn't particularly good for United. He had some great games. But he made a lot of mistakes. And his form post-Christmas was not good at all when he got the armband. 
when Ashley Young left and he became captain. So, I think for United, I think the best option in the short term is to move to a back three and play him in the middle. And play Juan Bissaka and Luke Shaw either side of him. I think that's your best back three at the moment if you're United. I think you'd need to buy a right wing back and you still have a day. But Max Ahrens is sitting there at Norwich and you could buy him and he'd be perfect. You could play Brandon Williams there if, if you didn't want to buy Ahrens, but You've got Tellez, who's much better suited playing as a wing-back than a full-back. Pogba and Fred in midfield. Bruno then in behind the front two of Rashford and Martial, Rashford and Greenwood, Greenwood and Martial, and sometimes Cavani. You'd have the options. You'd have the players. It would make more use of your squad. For England, again, if he's going to play in a back three, he has to play in the middle of it. Now... The only real option for England if they're playing a back three as a left-sided option is Tyron Mings, who I'm not a huge fan of. But I'd much rather have him there and Maguire in the centre than Connor Cody in the centre and Maguire on the left. Mings is better than Cody, and Maguire is better than anyone England have in that central central role. So it's a strange one. It really is. He, He's just being used properly. It, it doesn't need to be this big, deep dive into, you know, what's wrong with him. He's just been been used improperly. That's all it comes down to. He's got bad managers at club level and international level. You give him to Mourinho, you wouldn't have this problem. You give him to Van Hal, you wouldn't have this problem. You give him to Moyes, you wouldn't have this problem. But... Ollie's management or mismanagement of, of Harry Maguire is, is the reason he's in this funk. It's nothing to do with Greece because it was going on before Greece. He was making these errors last year. Just people were choosing to overlook them because they didn't want to admit that United had overpaid massively for a 35 to 40 million pound centre back by paying 80 million. Um, he's not the only one that played badly now. Let's be fair. There were a lot of bad players on that pitch last night. Uh, he's just the one that gets highlighted because he's the one that cost 80 million. But the England situation comes down to Gareth Southgate and his refusal to pick left-footed players and his refusal to allow any creativity in the team. Uh, England are much better suited to playing 4-3-3. They just are. I mean, if you played Trent, Gomez, Maguire, Chilwell, now, one of the reasons I think that England didn't have any left-backs or left-wing-backs in this squad is that Chilwell was obviously just back from the injury, so he didn't want to risk him. But Trent, Gomez, Maguire, Chilwell as a back-four works. You could go Mount, Phillips, Madison as a midfield three. You get some creativity. You get lots of energy. You get good defensive work. In games against top teams, you can bring in Jordan Henderson from Madison to get you know more physicality into the team. You can bring him in for for Mount if you want. Um, but that's your midfield three. If if you need to have Mason Mount in the team, then Mount. Phillips or Rice. I, I prefer Calvin Phillips to Declan Rice. If I'm honest. Um, but I can, you know, if you want to play Rice, that's fine. And then you know, I think Madison's the one for creativity. 
And then up front, Sancho, Kane, and, and Sterling. Um, I will. I'd nearly wager that Jack Grealish doesn't make the next England squad, and I'd be surprised if he plays again under Southgate, barring injuries or a, another set of circumstances like this, where it's an expanded squad. Now, I could be wrong. I don't think it's going to be an expanded squad for the next set. Is it? I think it's two games in the next international break. But either way. I'd be surprised if Jack Grealish um, starts again under Southgate. He's he's definitely not going to the Euros. Uh, far too creative <laughs> for, for uh, Mr. Southgate's uh, wants and desires. Um, but yeah, use Harry Maguire properly and he'll be fine. Continue to use him in the way you're using him at club level and international level and he will not be fine. In fact, he will be a disaster. Because his lack of pace. And Miguel Delaney, the journalist for the Independent, said it the other day. He's heard from players that have played with Maguire that his lack of pace is a problem. And that team, certain teammates have complained about having to play with him because he's so slow. Well, if he's that slow, then you need to protect him. You need to put him in situations where he's not going to get exposed, where he can play to his strengths. And in the middle of a back three with two pacey players either side of him, like a Juan Basaka. And like I know I said play Shaw there, he's just because he's left footed, you would want to be going and buying somebody in the transfer market uh to play next to him on that side, but you know, he, you'd just go with Shaw for now because he's what you've got. Um yeah, use him properly, he'll be fine. Uh we'll wrap up then with some transfer gossip. Uh Mundo Deportivo have uh, reported, and I use reported loosely that Manchester United and France midfielder Paul Pogba wants to join Barcelona on a free transfer next summer. So do I, and I reckon I have about as much chance. Um, Juventus are preparing to make a world record bid for France and Paris Saint-Germain for Kylian Mbappe next summer. That is from Tuto Sport. Uh, yeah, I think that's about as... I think that's a bit as real as the idea of me playing for Juventus uh, again. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, my my logic on that is Juventus have piled on quite a lot of debt in the last couple of years, largely to fund the Ronaldo project, and because they're you know all in to win the Champions League with Ronaldo, and I I feel like when Ronaldo goes, and I think he will go next summer. I think we're going to see Juventus massively rein back in the spending and get back to, you know, buying younger players, developing them, and going about their business in the correct way that they used to do, that they did for years uh, before deciding that they had to win the Champions League or it was all just a big failure. Arsenal's midfielder, Mesut Ozil, has turned down a chance to leave Arsenal and go to the Saudi Professional League. Similar enough, I suppose, to Juan Mata. Uh, I'm not surprised in any way that Osel would refuse to go to the Saudi Professional League. Um, but, you know, I, I it pains me that one because I, I love Mesut Osel. I've been a Mesut Osel fan since he was at, at Werder Bremen. Um, I think he's just an incredibly gifted footballer. I think he's a wonderful passer of the ball, so creative. And the prime and tail end of his career have been spoiled. 
I never really liked the idea of him at Arsenal. Didn't really like the idea of him in the Premier League at all. I kind of I liked when he was in Spain. I thought that league suited him best. Um, it's a shame. It is a shame. Um, Germany defender Antonio Rudiger says he wants to win back his place at Chelsea after a move away from the club did not materialise. That is uh, to be admired, and I would imagine he'll be back in the Chelsea team before Christmas. I think he gets back in before Christmas. I think there's just so, so many mistakes. Frank doesn't know what his best pairing is. He didn't know at all last season. He chops and changes um, pretty much month to month. So wouldn't surprise me at all to see uh, Rudiger back in the Chelsea team. Uh, Chelsea are set to open talks over a contract extension with Jorginho, who was linked to Arsenal during the summer. Why? Why would you do that? He hasn't been good for you. Sell him. <laughs> Sell him. Don't extend his contract. Uh, speaking of, actually, Chelsea midfielders for a quick second. So, I had the misfortune of uh, coming across a clip from TalkSport the other day. And it was a clip of... Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Does that TalkSport drive show that's awful? Um... He was trying to argue that Declan Rice was a big upgrade on N'Golo Kante. That Declan Rice was better in 2020 than N'Golo Kante. And then I saw another clip yesterday of Darren Bent saying the same thing and agreeing with him. Now, Darren Bent said that Kante used to be the best holding midfielder in the world, but for the last 18 months hasn't played there. This tells me that Darren Bent has not got a clue what he's talking about. Because N'Golo Kante has never been the best holding midfield player in the world because he's never been a holding midfield player. Never once in his life. If you look at N'Golo Kante's career in the Premier League, he plays with Leicester, where Danny Drinkwater is the holding midfielder, and N'Golo Kante is like a roaming destroyer. He's a box-to-box player who's winning the ball high up the field and pushing the team on. He's not a holding midfielder. A holding midfield player holds the midfield. It's also known as a sitting midfield player. He sits and protects the defense. The clues are in the names, Mr. Bent. Adrian Durham, that's his name. Uh, The clues are in the names. For they, this has annoyed me. Declan Rice and N'Golo Kante do not play the same role in a team. You can say, yes, they're both defensive midfielders, but they don't play the same role. In the same way that Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez are both strikers, they don't play the same role. In the same way that a duck is not a chicken. Declan Rice and N'Golo Kante don't play the same role. N'Golo Kante is a box-to-box destroyer. He's best when used with a sitting midfielder. After he left Leicester, he went to Chelsea. And Antonio Conte decided he was going to play him as a sitting midfielder next to Cesc Fabregas and let Cesc go and do his playmaking thing and have Kante hold the midfield. 
and he binned it off after three games. It just didn't work because N'Golo Kante is completely wasted in that role. And he brought Nemanja Matic back into the team. And Matic is a sitting, holding midfielder and Kante could just go and do Kante things. And what, what, what Sarri said last year, Mr. Bent, if you'd actually listened to what Sarri said, it wasn't that he couldn't play him as a holding midfielder because he was, wasn't quick enough on the ball. It was that he was using him off the ball. That he didn't want to waste what he offers off the ball, which is his ability to win the ball back. So that's why he didn't play them play him there. And Golo Kante is very good on the ball. He moves the ball very quickly. He drives forward with the ball. That's not what Sarri wanted in that role. He also wanted a more stationary player, which is why he bought Jorginho, who he'd played, you know, he'd, he'd had at, at um, Napoli, obviously. He didn't say he wasn't playing Kante there because he wasn't quick enough on the ball. And then to try and use that as if to say that Declan Rice is better on the ball or quicker on the ball, it's absolute nonsense. For Adrian Durham to say that Declan Rice does more than Kante is absolute nonsense. He was talking about his ability to drive the team forward. Kante does that 15 times a game. Kante is better than Declan Rice at this point at pretty much everything bar probably heading the ball where Rice is a six-inch height advantage. But Declan Rice is a fine player, and he's going to be a good player. How good, I don't know. I think he's going to end up being a centre-back rather than a holding midfielder. But this idea that he's an £80 million player and that he would have been an upgrade on Kante, firstly, it's nonsense. It wasn't Kante's role he would have taken. It was Jorginho's role. You would want Rice next to Kante, not instead of him. But, like I say, the idea that Declan Rice would be the most expensive holding midfielder in the league is as absurd as Harry Maguire being the most expensive central central defender in the league. Uh, Declan Rice is not one of the five best holding midfielders in the league. Uh, Fabinho is better. Rodri is better. Fernandinho is probably still better. Wilfred Ndidi is better. I think Calvin Phillips is better. Ruben Neves is better. I mean, Leander Dendonker is better. There's just, there are better holding midfielders out there than Declan Rice. If you're paying 80 million for him, 50 million of that is because he's English and 21. It's not based on how good he is now. It's not based on what he's done in his career. He's a 30 million pound footballer at this point. Based on what he's done and who he is, he's a 30 million pound player. And anyone paying more than that needs their head examined. Anyway, uh, former Juventus manager Max Allegri would be a, a candidate to replace Ole Gunnar Solskjaer if the Manchester United boss is sacked. That's no surprise. Allegri's one of the best managers in the world. Uh, tremendous run at Juve, obviously five titles in a row, but um, remains to be seen uh, what happens with Oli. There's, there's no real talk of him being under any pressure as things stand because he's not getting criticised in, in the mainstream. Uh, Jordan Shakiri has said it was his choice to stay at Liverpool despite being linked with moves away. Why wouldn't he stay? He's winning himself some medals. You stay, son. No problem. Uh, Juventus forward Paolo Dybala is um, in talks to renew his, new, renew his contract with Juve. 
uh, because Chelsea are considering a move. Now, I will immediately call nonsense and shenanigans on the talk that Chelsea uh, would be in for him, given the sheer volume of attackers they already have, and the fact that he basically plays the same positions as the likes of Havertz and Zayic, uh, the guys they've just bought. So, no, they're, that that's not happening. Uh, Manchester United did not submit any bids for Kingsley Coleman during the summer transfer window. That is a weird one because he, he may have been available, given they just signed Leroy Sane. He may have been up for a move. He is quite close with Pogba, uh, so he might have been up for that move, and he's really, really good. So it's it's strange that United didn't consider him when it became clear to them in June that they weren't getting Jadon Sancho. Um, Saeed Kalasnik has been offered to Roma. Yeah, wouldn't imagine Roma were too interested. They've probably seen him play. Uh, Juventus and Man City uh, lead the race to sign David Alaba. So Alaba is out of contract next year. I would imagine he is going to get some monstrous offers from pretty much every top club in Europe because he's a world-class footballer. And Liverpool are willing to let Harry Wilson leave on loan but have rejected Swansea's offer. Uh, There are five clubs uh, interested, apparently. And Wilson is one of five players that Liverpool are looking to offload. Uh, Best of luck with that. You've got just over 24 hours. Um, I hope Wilson goes to a club where he's going to play a lot and can have an impact. I would assume that Liverpool are maybe looking for someone who will do them a deal where they take take him on loan with an obligation to buy if they get promoted, uh, which Swansea probably weren't willing to do. But uh, maybe Cardiff will. So keep an eye for that one. And that is it. That is the show for today. Uh, Thank you, as always, to EPL Index. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Thank you to Fox Haunt for the title music. Thank you to Guy Drinkle and his American cousin, Gus, for producing the show. Uh, Gus Drinkle, you're going to hear a lot more of that name. Be prepared. The Gus Drinkle phenomenon is about to start. And uh, thank you to you, as always, for listening. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.